There's a great deal of speculation in the world today about the future. Some individuals are guessing that the COVID-19 virus will last another two to three years at least. Now others are saying that because of global warming, natural disasters such as earthquakes and hurricanes, volcanic eruptions, and forest fires become more frequent. Some people are predicting that space travel to planets such as Mars will be a reality within five years. Just ask Elon Musk or, or Richard Branson. Friend, there's a great deal of speculation in the world today. However, when we're studying about the plagues that are coming, we're not studying about speculation. We are studying about sure events that will take place. As we read the Bible, we find that it is God's plan at the end of time, before Jesus comes, there will be seven terrible plagues that will come upon the world. These plagues are just as sure to come as the fact the sun rose this morning. There are predictions of Bible prophecy and they will be fulfilled. Here's what Revelation 15:1 says. <clears throat> and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And then we read Revelation 16:1, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Inside today's Advent message, we'll clear up the misunderstanding of the seven last plagues. This is the seven last plagues made simple. My name is Brent Winfield. And I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, and this is the Advent message. <clears throat> In our study today, we're going to answer three questions. These questions come as a result of biblical proof that the plagues will come. Now, I'm not the one who decides whether the plague will come or not. That is not the problem. The plagues will come. Now, since we believe that the plagues will come, we have these three questions. When will they come? Upon whom will they fall? And how may I prepare to escape them? Those are the questions we will ask. And we'll seek answers for those questions from the Word of God. Now, let us turn our attention to the first question. When will the plagues come? Now, friend, make a note of these verses, please. Revelation 14, 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat in the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. We're studying about the harvest time. And when the harvest comes, the angel will come and say, Thrust in thy sickle and reap. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. 
Revelation 14:19. That event will take place at the harvest time. We see that the wine press of the wrath of God was introduced by these seven last plagues. These seven last plagues constitute the beginning, the first stages of this wrath of God that will be poured out upon the world. Then the plagues will come in the harvest time. Now, when will the harvest time come, you may ask? Jesus says the harvest is the end of the world, Matthew 13, 39. The last act in the harvest will be the coming of Jesus because the coming of Jesus follows the events of the plagues. Therefore, the plagues will come prior to the coming of Christ. The plagues will come after the Spirit of God has been withdrawn from this world. The same things will take place in the last days that took place in the days of Noah. If you read the sixth chapter of Genesis, you'll find these words, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Genesis 6.3 God warned the world for 120 years. Then he destroyed the inhabitants of the world by a flood. The Spirit of God was withdrawn when man filled his cup of iniquity, and that has been how God has dealt with nation after nation down through the history of time. When the Babylonians filled their cup of iniquity, God destroyed them and brought in another nation. The Syrians filled their cup of iniquity, and God destroyed them and brought in another nation. So that is the way God deals with nations. He gives them an opportunity. He's a long-suffering and merciful God. He gives them year after year, decade after decade, to prove if they will accept him or reject him. But as they go on heaping upon iniquity until their cup is full, then the Spirit of God will be withdrawn before the plagues fall. And when the Spirit of God is withdrawn from this world, oh friend, probation will close. No one will be saved after God's Spirit has been taken away. Then the plagues will fall during the time known as the period from the close of probation to the coming of Christ. Now our next question. Upon whom will they fall? Let us read about this plague and when it will be poured out. Revelation 16:2 says, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. Friend, this verse clearly answers this question for us. Upon whom will the plagues fall? Upon those who have what? The mark of the beast. Or upon those who do what? Worship his image. If we study carefully the book of Revelation, we'll find that there is a struggle going on between the Lamb of God and the beast power of this world. The Lamb of God is mentioned 26 times in the book of Revelation. He's mentioned first as a lamb, and he's finally mentioned as a king of kings, lord of lords, riding forth, conquering, and to conquer in the final struggle between him 
and the power of the Antichrist. The Lamb of God will have a seal that will be placed upon the forehead of his people. And you can read about that seal in the seventh chapter of Revelation. Before the coming of Jesus, every true child of God will receive the seal of God or the seal of the Lamb of God on his forehead. That is in Bible prophecy. Those who finally go to heaven with Jesus will have the seal of God. While God is placing his seal upon his people, we find that the devil working through the beast and the image of the beast will be placing his seal also upon his people, or his mark as it is spoken of in the book of Revelation, the mark of the beast. This prophecy says that when the seven last plagues are poured out, which constitute the wrath of God upon men before Jesus comes, will be poured out upon those who have the mark of the beast and worship the image of the beast. In other words, friend, the pouring out of the plagues constitute God's great judgment that will be visited upon those who have rebelled against him and have followed the image of the beast and have received his mark. Then, I believe this. I believe this tells us who will receive the plagues. Now, the plagues are spoken of in the Bible as the unmingled wrath of God. That means they will be unmingled with mercy. Every time God has allowed some terrible judgment to come upon the world, that judgment has been mingled with mercy. But in this final time, when God allows these things to come upon the world, they will be unmingled with mercy. But you may say, Uncle Brent, that gives me a picture of a God with a cruel heart. Why would God be so cruel as to pour out upon helpless humanity plagues that will bring boils and blood to drink and scorching sun and darkness, confusion and deception of the devil? Hmm? Well, friend, why would God allow that? He must be a tyrant, you're asking me. Well, friend, that would be the wrong conclusion to come to before we get a true picture of God. I just take one chapter and one prophecy and say that it shows the character of God would not be true. We have to think of the other angels in the character of God. For example, I think of what he says to us in Matthew 11:28. I quote, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heaven laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Remember those words? He said his burden is easy. He says you will find rest unto your soul. Oh, there is a character of God pleading with us, friend, to come home to him. He tells us how lovely it is to serve him. The devil tells us it's a terrible yoke to serve him. You'll have a yoke of bondage upon you, the devil will say. You'll have all kinds of crosses to bear, the devil says. It is true we will have a cross to bear, but 
Jesus says, when we take that cross upon our shoulder, he'll help us bear it. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now again, I heard the words of Jesus in Luke 11, 9 says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Remember that? But knock what? Knock upon the door of God's mercy. Knock upon the door of grace and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive my sins and save me and accept me. And we will find all the arms of heaven thrown open to receive us into everlasting glory. Revelation 15, 16 is not the only place that we find a picture of Jesus in the Bible and the way he deals with men. The Bible is filled with the love of God and the mercy of God, but it also pictures God as a God of justice. And above all, it presents him as a God that is trying to eradicate sin. God has warned us that those who hold on to sin will be destroyed. What does it say? Proverbs 13, 15. But the way of transgressors is hard. Oh friend, God tells us sometimes that the way of the transgressor, transgressors is hard. And he says, turn you, turn you from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? God is trying to get them to turn to him and live. But he tells us in all his justice that if we do not turn, it means death. He says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The way of the transgressor is hard. So all that is a part of the justice of God. Why is there no mercy mingled with these plagues? Well, Revelation 15, 18 tells us why. Quote, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled." End quote. There is coming a time when the temple in heaven will be closed and no man can enter. And what does that mean? Well, it means that there is a coming a time when Christ will close his work in the sanctuary. He'll finish his work and he'll go out of it and there'll be no more mediator in the sanctuary. <clears throat> Jesus Christ will carry on his work of mediation until the close of probation. Then when the case of every soul has been decided, when everyone who will repent has repented, and those who have refused to repent go on in their sins, when that time comes, friend, probation will close, and then the work of Jesus Christ will have ended in the heavenly sanctuary. Then Christ will move out, and when Jesus moves out, no one can move in. The work of salvation is ended. The work of grace is over. And then Jesus declares those fearful words in Revelation 22:11. Maybe I should start with the last phrase, which says, For the time is at hand. I want to tell you, friend, Jesus is going to settle the case of sin and the mercy of God would not linger forever. I want to say this today with all earnestness 
Why? Because I know there are some individuals who are waiting and they're saying, sometime when it is convenient, I will make my peace with God. But God says, for the time is at hand. There'll come a time when God's great clock will strike the last. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be." End quote. Dear friend, I absolutely hope that you'll choose Christ right now. Please do not wait. Now is the time to accept salvation. The door is soon to close when the bridegroom returns. Please, please do not miss that glorious event. Let us pray. Father in heaven, you've given us prophecy for a reason. You've given us the prophecy of your word because you love us with an everlasting love. You're trying to explain to us that the door of mercy will soon close. And it is now the perfect time for us to give our heart and soul to you. Oh Lord, we ask for mercy. We ask for forgiveness. And we ask that you save us in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, that's all for today, friend. It was good being with you today. Until next time. And then always remember, God loves you. Yes, he really, really does love you. <laughs>